This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're busy in a, in a series um, of four weeks on being hungry for God. Being hungry for God. Um, I had an interesting conversation with a couple of guys this week and... Um, and I was sort of thinking a lot about that because one of these guys in this group is a student and um, he's, he has a girlfriend and, and so he's really in love with this girlfriend and this, somebody else asked this girlfriend to a dance and, um, and they're good friends, this guy and this lady and, and having this conversation with him and checking out um, the feelings and the stuff. Now he went through when his girlfriend dated somebody else or that other guy asked his girlfriend for this dance um and and i asked him are, are you like a bit jealous and 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 he sort of the first 30 seconds or minute he sort of ignored and then afterwards you can see now he's like fuming he was like it was the longest evening of his life you know because he gave permission for her uh, to go with this other friend of hers to this dance, you know, and um, and so <clears throat> the you know just going through this, imagine you are dating, and now suddenly there's a somebody else asking your girlfriend or your boyfriend for this this dance, and so I swing the whole conversation around a little bit, and I said, okay, um, if you have that feeling towards another person. How do we not sometimes, if the church dates the world, how does God's heart not feel? When, when we have an appointment with God, we are in covenant relationship with Him, the bride and the bridegroom, but the bride always dates somebody else. Then the scripture says God is a jealous God. God, God has got a desire to spend time with us and and to make himself known to us not because he's controlling but simply because the best thing god can do for you and i is to reveal himself to us the best thing we can have in our lives that will fulfill us is our relationship with god and so living in a town like this where everything seems so great on the outside except if you go to the pubs on a wednesday night and you see what's happening really in the town, or you go to other places, this is a wicked place. This is a, a place far from God. Um, I think if most parents would know what students do on this campus, we had a team from Poch here, from Chauffeur Poch, and um, they did pub ministry on Wednesday night. On Thursday, they were just so shocked. They said they could not believe what they see, what people do. <laughs> So, so not for one moment we must sort of think like everything is alright. I'm not trying to be negative today, I'm just saying simply the answer is God. And the answer is for us as Christians not just to like be good people, but to actually be radical. Because in essence if you're a Christian you're going to be radical. And I'm going to speak about that tonight when there's a couple of hundred students here. The essence of Christianity is radical. It means that I am not conforming to this world, but I've been transformed by the Word of God. And so, 
when you go to India or you go to other nations, there's a lot of stuff out there. You know, there people walk around the temple and they worship <clears throat> their gods. But when you go in Stellenbosch and in South Africa, then we have other idols or other gods that we worship and we don't know that. And many times the biggest thing that the devil brings is distraction. We get so distracted, we get so busy that we lose our hunger for God. And so last week we started with this lady that pressed through the crowds and touched the hem of his garment. And so um, in John 15, Jesus said it, and I'm just recapping a little bit, that we have a massive need for him. He says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So we cannot bear fruit without abiding in him. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. You see, if we try to do things for God, or we try to perform, or do more Christian stuff, if it's out of yourself, you can do nothing. It must come out of knowing who you are in Christ. Abiding in him. Spending time with him. Knowing who God is. And from that place we can do Christian service. Not trying to get our identity by being somebody. And I remember uh, being with um, Angus in Ireland. Uh, I think it was about six or seven years ago. And so I just carried these suitcases. But we were in a place, Macrofelt. And there were this big shed. Um, it was actually a horse shed. A paddock that they changed around for this event. And now... These, um, the Catholics and the Protestants, and they've been fighting for years. And so you could almost feel the tension in the air because there's only 2,000 people staying in this little place. And there were 2,400 people that evening at the event. So I don't know where the extra 400 came from. They multiplied, you know, over, over the night. But um, I remember the, the tension and some of the Protestants people were sitting here and some of the Catholic people here. And they're so tense that you would... Actually, if there's a Catholic town, you'll not drive through that town if you're a Protestant. You'll drive around the town, you know. Or if you're a Protestant town, then you'll drive, you you won't go through that town. So there's a lot of division, tension that's come through all the years, and that's what the war was also about. And so this evening, there's this outreach, and Angus is preaching, and and it's just like, it's just tough, it's heavy, and all that stuff. And so in the middle of the sermon, he asked like a rhetoric question, a question that you should have just think and not really answer. And he says, so what do you want God to do for you? Um, and right at the back there was a lady, um, and everybody in the, in the community knew that she wasn't a, a very, she was a lady of the street. So she was very bold, um, and she obviously didn't have like a lot of, didn't know the protocol or whatever. And so as he asked the question, she was standing at the back and she jumped up. And, and she said, I want peace, and we want peace. And she, she came walking to the front, and it's sort of like, everybody goes like, this is not the right moment. This, you were not supposed to answer this question. Um, you know, this is out of protocol. This is not the relig right religious thing to do. It was a rhetorical question, so you were not supposed to. And she, she stands there, and she throws her hands in the air, and she says, peace, God, give us peace. You know? And then she came to the front, knelt in the front and she just started to weep. And then the next moment, one after the other of the people just came to the front and started, started to weep. And God just, the presence of God was just so in this meeting 
that um, that was the end of the service. That was the end of the sermon. <laughs> the service still continued for four hours as people were just repenting and and changing, and God just challenged them and touched them. Um, but it took one lady, one lady that was open enough to say, "We have a problem." <laughs> We have a problem, and she was not waiting for the religious protocol or for the <clears throat> sermon to finish. She decided, well, there's a need, and I'm going to cry out to God. Is, is, and is that not the story of the Bible? <laughs> the story of <clears throat> a hungry people coming to God and saying, God, we really need you. Um, and so Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. My question is, what do we fill ourselves with? In this world, are we satisfied? Are you satisfied with the status quo of your heart? Or are you hungry for righteousness? Are you hungry to know Him? And so last week we looked at Ephesians 5, verse 15. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Turn to your neighbor and say, The days are evil. <laughs> Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understanding, you know, just knowing stuff is different than understanding. Understanding is you give yourself completely to something. And so <clears throat> the scripture for today, we're going to read in James chapter 1 from verse 14 onwards, a couple of verses. It says, but each one is tempted when he's <clears throat> drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own thought, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, slow to anger. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So this is James writing and most there's been a lot of contention as who is this James and what is this book about? Now, James, most people and scholars would say that James was the brother of Jesus. And he's writing about deception, he's writing about the truth, he's writing about a lot of stuff. But if you know the story of James and his relation to Jesus, then this scripture is massive challenging. Because James was the physical brother of Jesus on the earth. And you know what James was actually opposing the ministry of Jesus. So if this was Jesus, like most scholars said, then suddenly this book has got a whole different meaning to you, and especially when he talks about deception, and he talks about the implanted word of God, and be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. These things we quote. But for all of Jesus' ministry, his own brother did not believe that he was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Messiah. He actually not just not believed it, but he actually opposed it. And then when you start reading the book of Acts, there's a massive turn. Suddenly you realize like this same James became the head of the church of Jerusalem. 
the big dude up there. <laughs> and, and so how does somebody turn from looking at Jesus in the natural towards looking to Jesus in the spiritual? Now I wish we had a lot of time because there's a couple of verses like in Corinthians that spoke about um, Jesus appearing to James and a, a couple of things that would sort of give you a hint but we don't actually know what brought that massive turn in James's life. That from opposing Jesus in the natural to becoming the leader of the church in Jerusalem. It's a, it's a massive transformation. It's got something to do with the resurrection of Christ. You know, and so today, if you would walk into the theology department here, you will, can ask just two questions. The first question is just, do, be, do you believe in the resurrection and do you believe in the virgin birth? If those people don't say yes to both of them, Run, Forrest! Run! <laughs> Unfortunately, more than 80% of people in our theology departments in South Africa don't believe that anymore. The percentage is probably more. I'm speaking conservatively. Because at the essence of what we believe is the virgin birth and the resurrection of Christ. <laughs> and so there's a lot of challenges even in South Africa for schools of teaching, schools of discipleship, schools of divinity, theological schools. They want, they don't, they want to make it away from Christianity to just schools of divinity, meaning studying whatever God you feel pleased with. So more than ever, even in our country, there's a battle for truth. There's a battle for what is happening in your heart. And that's why as Christians... We can't just watch nice sermons. We can't just like YouTube anymore and just watch a sermon because that's so nice. If you do not know the fruit of that person, don't listen. <laughs> that's why becoming part of a local community where you can grow and be healthy and, and be challenged and be accountable, it is so important. You can't just get all the information because information is going to puff you up. Stuff from the outside can destroy you. And so James gives us a couple of keys as to this hunger. <laughs> and he starts in verse 17, he talks about this. He says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. He says, God doesn't change. Isn't that amazing? The only constant in your life is God. You know, Jan, that you change all the time. As you're sitting here, you're getting older, just a little bit. Some of us are losing a bit more hair. Some of us has lost all of our hair, okay? <laughs> Some of us are growing a bit more gray, but you are, you are changing. Everything about you is changing, and you know what? You can do nothing about that. <laughs> You're losing some skin as you're sitting here. So there's, there's one thing you have to get used to is change. And, and as, you, as you start to grow in this life with God, if you want to increase that hunger, the number one thing... That you, if you want to grow in that hunger, is humility, and the fruit of that is teachability. If you're not going to, if I'm not going to be teachable and learn to grow all the time and learn to change all the time, then wow, then I get stuck somewhere. But the one thing that does not change is God. It says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in a changing environment, what people want to do is they want to change scripture. They want to become more tolerant. They want to do more, you know. And, and then we change stuff like the world, you know. We, we want to become more hip. We want to become more one. But that is not going to change people 
deep inside. It's going to change the outside. If you change the form, if you change the stuff on the outside, then do you know what? It's just all fake. So today we're getting all this stuff. It's like people are asking what is real and what's not real. And so James writes into this. He says, if you want to increase that hunger, it starts with knowing that God is good and God doesn't change. And don't try to change God. Don't try to adopt, adapt God to your circumstance or your culture. Because Jesus is not Afrikaans. Jesus is not Zulu. Jesus is the King of Kings. And so... There's an invitation for us to change and to become more like him. But he's constant. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's constant. So what that will cause, if, if you and I take stock of our lives, it means you have to, like James says, you have to stand and look in the mirror. You have to, you have to constantly go and evaluate. So I've got a question for you. Okay, This is maybe a bit of a tougher question. Because if we want to be disciples of God and we want to move the church away from event orientation, because and I want to challenge you this morning and this may sound a bit, this is maybe going to offend you, but this church is not about events and this church is not about you sitting here to become a consumer. If everyone in this church does not do ministry, then we have failed God. Because the world is based on consuming. It's based on, hey, I am going to go to church. I am not the church. You are the church. The church is not this. This is a celebration of what God has done in our lives. And so our desire as leaders is for every one of you to do the work of the ministry. This is not ideal. Like we're sitting here, this is not ideal for you to listen to me all the time. If you think this is church, then we have failed you. If you come here and say, I'm going to go to church on a Sunday, we failed you. That's not church. Church is about disciple making. Church is about living out the word of God. And church is about obedience. Because do you know what? I'm not going to be there when you stand in front of Jesus. There's not going to be a nice joy sign and a hope sign and James is going to stand here in front. And James is going to say, come henceforth. You know, come into the will of God, wonderful, and there's going to be orange flags waving, you know, and then there's going to be a, a, a different stream for all the every nation people, and a different stream for all the India people, and a different stream, and, and you choose your way into heaven. There's going to be nothing like that. It's going to be you and Jesus. And he's going to say, hey, how are you obedient to what I've called you to be obedient to? And that finds its expression in family. It finds its expression in our relationship. Because he's going to ask you about those people around you that you took accountability and responsibility for. So my question is quite a tough one. What is God saying to you to be obedient to right now? Or maybe there's like, you haven't got a clue. Maybe he told you something three years ago. But what is God's requirement of obedience to you right now? It can be physical. Maybe, hey, God told you to do some more exercise. Or God told you, hey, go and share with your neighbor. Or pray more. Or maybe you're in a different season. Because we are all in different seasons. But if we don't create a lifestyle of obedience and accountability around obedience, then we are going to just be a bunch of religious people checking whether we're good moral people or not. But our greatest form of worship is obedience. And God requires obedience not to what you did 30 years ago, but what he's speaking to you right now. So my question to you is like, hey, 
Pastor James, what is God saying to you and what should you be obedient to right now? I'm going to give you two minutes and then I want you to talk to somebody about next to you. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, maybe something small. But before we can continue, because this is what James is challenging us about. He says, you have to look in the mirror and don't be just a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Otherwise, you deceive yourself. Because what happens if we're not doers of the word? Deception comes in because we think we're actually good. We think like, well, yeah, at least I'm not like that guy around the corner, you know. <laughs> oh, at least I'm not like religious like them. But in this charismatic church, like our church, we can become much more religious because we have a band and we think we're free. But that doesn't mean we're obedient. Are, are you with me this morning? You, you, you're looking at me like, oh, I didn't come here. I came to receive this morning. Why should I not talk to somebody else? Exactly. <laughs> okay. So quickly, I'm giving you two minutes. Take out a piece of pen and paper. What were two or three things God has told you to be obedient about? Because we're going to just do what James told us here in Scripture to do. Okay, one minute to go. Some of us have got a long list. Okay, great stuff. You thought like you're coming to church just to sit. No, no, there's still lots of homework to do. Okay, so I learned from John Yip. He makes us work very hard. Okay, so. And that's so, so important. So what I want you to do is I want you to go and think this week about what are those things and then share it with somebody else. So look here, if I'm going to be accountable, if I'm going to want to be an obedient Christian, a disciple, it means like, I can't just be a hearer, I need to be a doer. So if we look at verse 21, just go one slide back, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. It's a, it's a powerful verse. And we can actually spend the whole morning just on that one verse. And the, the word he uses is almost lost to the English language. Because he says, um, when we talk about laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, the picture that he draws is like taking wax, where you have wax in your ear, and you remove all the wax so that you can hear the perfect sound. Now, when I was in Indonesia... You know, we went to swim, and when I swim, one of my ears is like, the ch ear channel is much smaller than the other one. So regularly, I know exactly what he talks about. Because naturally, how many of you have ever had somebody like wash out, the, the doctor or the nurse spray out your ears, clean out your ears? Anybody had that? It's, it's the worst thing in your, in your life, Okay. It, it feels like they're going to wash out your brains because what they do is they like take this needle and then they take hot water and then they spray it into your ear. It feels like it's going to come out your nose, the other ear, everything. So now they just wash it and it, like, it just blows into your mind. It feels like all your brain cells are going to go out, you know. How many of you had that done? Just raise your hand very high. Okay, I'll pray for you afterwards. Okay, we were traumatized. Now, I have to do that once at least a year, you know. Then I realize, like, because my one ear channel is, is smaller than the other one. So sometimes the stuff, like, gets in there, you know. And then you wash it out. So here in Indonesia, I had to go because now the worst thing is when somebody talks and your one ear is blocked is you, you cannot hear, you know. And then the other thing is when they play music or whatever, it just, like, 
it feels like, and you also lose your balance, <laughs> you know. You, you, you can't walk properly because of, you know, that's, your ears is a lot used for balancing the way you walk, the way you perceive things. And so, so this is the picture that he's drawing. He's saying, look here, you need to lay aside, you need to get the wax out of your ears. Because you're going to start to hear a lot of other noises and in the, eventually it will cause deafness in your ear. If you don't clean out the stuff. And he says, therefore, in its place, what you need to do is you need to receive with meekness. Meekness means all power under control. You need to learn to receive the implanted word because that will save your soul. When you have a hunger, not just for the presence of God, but for the word of God, because you realize like, hey, I have to clean out my ears, what I listen to and how do I get distracted or how do I not get distracted? It's like, he says, because now he goes on and he says, it's like looking in this mirror because a lot of people look into the mirror and then they just observe and they go away. So I want to I challenge everybody in church. When you come to church, bring a notebook and bring a pen. <laughs> Write this stuff down or put it on your phone. Not Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. But if we are not going to become teachers and hearers of the word, we will be deceived. This is the most biblical, illiterate generation that has ever lived. People don't know the word of God anymore. And this is exactly what James says. And James has this experience. He says, look here, I was there. I actually even opposed Jesus. Because <laughs> I could not see in the natural that he was the Messiah. I had to observe the resurrection. <laughs> so when he writes about this stuff, he clearly knows what he's talking about. And he says, if I could get deceived, you know, if, if I could come to that place, then here are some keys so we can learn from him in a great way. Because he says, the challenge for you is not just to be a hearer, because you can hear a lot. But understanding needs to come. You need to learn to not just receive the word and, and understand the word after that, but then become a doer of the word. So the last scripture, and I wish we had time, and this is where we need to take stock of our lives is, is in, found in Matthew 13, and you, this is also homework that you can go and read at home. But in Matthew 13, Jesus describes the parable of the sower. And I've sort of tried to break it down for you because we're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about that, or you're gonna talk about that. But he says there are four kinds of ground that receives the word. It says the sower goes out, and this sower sows seed. And, 25%, you can almost break it down in four categories. There's some stuff that is going to hinder you from growing and this hunger in your life. Not just like we said last week because of the things of this world. But there's a lot of stuff that contends for God's word and that hunger in your heart. And, and you need to know that. And all of us need to change. And all of us need to adapt that. That this is not just, church is not just about coming to be a consumer, but coming to be a, a hearer and a, somebody that understands and somebody that bears fruit. And this is the challenging part. Jesus walks up to a fig tree and he comes to that fig tree and when he sees the fig tree, out of season, he curses the fig tree. The next day, he and the disciples come to that fig tree again and they say like, wow, look at how it withered. It just died and it's out of season. 
And then Jesus says some profound stuff. He says, I'm coming to look for fruit. I'm not coming to look at how many times you jumped up and how many times you told me you loved me. But whether you did what I told you to do. And that does not mean doing more. It may be doing less. But doing the right things. The will of God in your life. So please don't think doing more. That's what I'm saying. It may be completely the opposite in your life. Because you are doing too much. You're trying to do too many things. Instead of doing and focusing on the things of God. So Jesus uses this parable, this beautiful parable. And then he says like this sower goes out and then he throws his seed. And the first seed that falls is that seed that falls on the wayside. But he says the problem with it is the birds come and devour it. Because somebody has heard the word but they've not, not understood the word. There's a lot of people that hear the word, but they don't understand. What is understanding? Understanding means it's become not just something that goes into your ears. It's something that you've heard and you've received it and you've learned to apply it. That's what wisdom, biblical wisdom is. It's about not just knowledge. It's about applying the knowledge that God gives you. And he says the evil one snatches it away. So he's talking about a spiritual contention for the word of God. It's supernatural. It's not natural. He says, the seeds are sown on the wayside and here comes the birds. And he's talking about the demonic. The evil one is the devil. Demonic spirits in your life. There's, there's stuff that wants to steal the word of God from your life. And that means you need to take authority and you need to protect yourself. Put on the armor of God. Now in the, in the Western culture, we, we, we are sometimes completely oblivious we're completely like ignorant and that's what i, I want to commend Gideon and, and these guys um Gideon that brought the word today there was a massive heaviness that was on the town this week if you have not recognized it then hey wake up to the spiritual reality because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that happens in your life it's not from you it's demonic. And this is what he says. He says, look at those seeds. The moment when it's sown, because there's not understanding or and discernment of what's happening around you, it's stolen from you. The, the birds come and they steal it. And so, you and I need a lot of discernment in the days that we're living. Because everything you see is not just what you see. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, there's a spiritual war going on for your life. And so if, you, if we're trying just to be natural, then what's going to happen is you're going to wake up and sometimes you're going to have these thoughts of fear. You're going to have this stuff in your life and you're going to just think, oh, it was just a bad air day. Meantime, there's a massive assignment to take you out of the will of God. The devil does not want you to be hungry and he does not want you to receive the implanted word of God that can save your soul. And I'm not just talking about the Logos scripture, I'm talking about the Rhema scripture, God's revelation word for you today. God's prophetic word. And that's what the challenge with South Africa at the moment is there are very few prophetic people standing up. There's a lot of people that say they're prophets and apostles and come and kiss my ring and have my 30 bodyguards and all that nonsense, you know. They give themselves titles of apostles and prophets, but they've never planted churches and they've never been stoned because of a wrong prophetic word, you know. 
I don't want to be called a prophet. Do you know what happened to prophets in the Old Testament especially? If you prophesied and that prophecy was wrong, you died. They put you there, put a heap of stones on you and say, you are stoned and it's got nothing to do with drugs. It's just like, you're flat, you know. So any, anybody, Jeremiah, anybody that was called to be a prophet in, in, the, in the church or in the scripture, it's not something they wanted to do. It's not something they portrayed like, oh, I'm the prophet, you know, come listen to prophet, you know, oh, my chuna. So there's a lot of stuff. Are, are you offended? You're going to the toilet. Okay, but in any case, so maybe they want to go for the prophetic ministry. But in any case, so, so, so you need to know every day there's a challenge on how you receive the word of God. How you live in that place. And that's what he says. It's going to be stolen. The second one was the stony places. The sun scorched the word. The, and it had, it's a very simple thing. It says the second group of seed that was sown, it was received with joy, but there was no root. It wasn't rooted. And therefore it died. The moment when the challenges of circumstances came of the world, there was no root of that word. So you can walk out those doors and think like, oh, that was great. I went to church. I did God a favor by sacrificing Sunday morning. And I know I'm, I'm a bit hard today because you've come here. We've all come here to learn. We've all come here to receive. We've all come here to grow. So I want to commend you for coming. But coming in itself is not enough. Because you can walk out that door and the cares of this world will take a hold of you. This, the stony ground. So what you need to pray, say, God, what, what does this mean to me? What, what are you saying to me? And, and how am I rooted in Christ? How is this word, this stuff that you're giving me, I have to protect it. I have to make sure that there's a fence around it. And I must make sure that this stuff gets rooted into my life. Rooted into Christ. Rooted into that foundation. The third thing is the thorns, is the cares of this world. And he actually uses two things there. It's amazing how he separates the two. How Jesus says, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. <laughs> the cares of this world is these burdens we put on ourselves. This stuff, you know, it's a, it's, it grows. It's that thorns that come to choke the word of God. So it's growing, but then suddenly the, everything of this world starts to get a hold of you. And the deceitfulness of riches. If there's one thing you have to be challenged with and I have to be challenged with is just the love of money. Because it will deceive you because it gives you a certain form of godliness. It gives you a certain type of religion. makes you feel good and then you fall into pride because you think you're better than other people because you have more money. Now one of the pastors in Ukraine, I said it last week, I think so in the evening service, but or maybe it was in the morning service. He says he stopped praying for people for prosperity and riches or anything like that. Because he says, how can you ask one God to bless another God? How can you ask the real God to bless the God of mammon to make you rich? So you're asking one God to bless another God to, to make life happy for you. <laughs> he says he doesn't pray that anymore. I said, okay, that's just how the Russians can think, you know. <laughs> but isn't it true? That we find a certain security in the deceitfulness of riches, in, in, in riches. 
We think if, if I'm going to have that, then I'm going to have a more great life, so then I'm going to serve God more. You won't. Because there's a certain deceit of riches. And then the last one he says is that good ground. Somebody who hears, understand, and produces fruit. Hears, understands, and produces fruit. So the challenge for each one of us is if Jesus would take stock of our lives, is he would come into your life, he would come into my life, and he says, okay, show me the fruit. Don't show me the lips. Don't show me the stuff. Because some people say, yo, 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 you know, it's great. My, my, you know, at least my heart is in the right place. <laughs> at, at least God knows my heart. I've got a neighbor that the other day says, you know, the old man up there, at least he understands where I come from. Yeah, he understands. But what's the fruit of your life? He's coming to look at fruit. He's not coming to evaluate anything else. And so sometimes we deceive ourselves by saying, yo, yo, we've, I've got such a pure heart. God understands my heart, you know. I worship him, but you know, I also fail all the time. But I'm not going to do nothing about it because I... Now God is not condemning, but what happens if we are deceived? It means there's no repentance. There's no change of heart. There's no, and, and this is what repentance means. Repentance doesn't just mean having a nice exercise. It means to have a change of mind, heart, and direction. An action. True repentance. And so this is the challenge. If we want to get hungry and more hungry for God, it means we have to realize like shoe. All of us, in a certain way, are deceived. Because we hearers of the word and not always doers. And I'm really including myself. I'm not, not con- trying to condemn everybody or anybody. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, what, what is the fruit of our lives? How do we live a Christ-like life? And is that our ultimate goal a goal of obedience? Because the more you're going to grow in obedience, the more you're going to grow in spiritual authority the more God can trust us. And so coming back to this little story of this guy that his girlfriend, <laughs> yeah, somebody else asked his girlfriend to date. So the question is, who are we dating? Who are we? And how does God feel about it when we mix up with the things of the world? What's in God's heart? Just ask him that. Not condemning, just ask him, God, how do you feel that I put my cycling way above you? <laughs> I plan my whole year around my cycling and all my cycling events, but I can't plan one event around your kingdom. No, 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 but you can't say that. I'm working hard, you know, and I've got all these cycling events all right through the year. And I've already planned my schedule for next year. And I think like, okay. I'm not condemning my error. God, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this if I've planned my December holiday months in advance? But you play second fiddle. Now, I know you don't like what I'm saying right now, but I just want to be honest. (laughs) We should just ask God, how do you feel about my life's plan? Because otherwise God is just another option. And the invitation is not to condemnation. The invitation is for the will of God. You're going to be filled. I'm going to be filled. Not by the things of the world. Not by having a greater holiday. 
And holidays are great and they're absolutely amazing and we should have holidays. But that's not going to fill you. Blessed are those who hunger, for they shall be full. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be full. Do you want to be full? And that means we need to challenge our culture of the day. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing, and I know I'm not the favorite by saying that, is if we're disciples, we're obedient followers of God. We live repentant lives that has got a change not just of mind, not just a change of heart, but also a change of action and direction. And it's a 180 turn. We will have no revival if there's not a real hunger for the real God, not a cultural God, not a charismatic God. So I want you to think quickly with your piece of paper, three minutes, I'm going to give you three minutes. What are those things, if there are four of those things, what are the things maybe in your life or in the culture or in your lifestyle that you need to change, that you need to challenge yourself with? Because I, I remember even just working as an accountant, so many times I would just live for the weekend. And I would completely... Not have God at my workplace. Five days I'll work for the weekend and then I'll miss five days of any opportunity for ministry, any opportunity for the kingdom because my mindset was not godly. I didn't have a biblical worldview really. Because I compartmentalized God. I said, God, Wednesday evening and Sunday morning, that's your time. <laughs> but for the rest... No, no, I'm not going to invite you into my workspace. Do you know these type of people that I need to work with? No, no, I'm just escaping out of the work. I'm just making it because I want But then the cares of the world will choke you. And so James is not writing this to us to condemn us. And Jesus is not talking about these things to condemn us just because he is the life. He says, hey, I want you to be... Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.